Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Laura. Our social media manager, Chloe, is joining us today. Welcome back, Chloe. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. Excited to be back. Micah couldn't make it this week, so we're excited to have our Chloe sitting in. I love that I'm the replacement. My voice isn't as sexy, but I'll I'll try my best. Yeah, it is. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's true. That's true. It's preference, I guess. Sometimes there's too many men on this show, so it's a good Sometimes. thing to kick one out. Oh, we got us talking like this all the time. I like how you had to change your voice for men, <laughs> like you aren't a man. <laughs> I'm giving people a, a taste of Micah. Oh, okay. Okay. When I, when I, I do that, yeah. I don't know if I could. Oh, there we oh, go. Whoa. There you go. Oh, Just talk like Micah the whole time. Pretty Perfect. Good. That would hurt so bad, and I have to like <laughs> give myself a double chill to do it. <laughs> oh my god! Micah loves us and misses us so much this week that he did hop into our Zoom before we what started recording this morning. <laughs> I know. It's like Micah. He's like in a hotel room getting ready for the day. I'm like Micah. Let go of us. Okay. He did show us the mica chair, which I thought was relevant <laughs> and important. Yes. For anyone who doesn't know, the mica chair is a long, it's a very old throwback. When we were uh, spending time in hotel rooms together at various Harry Potter events, mica would always gravitate to that one chair in the hotel room and sit there. Nobody ever sits in that chair. You know the except one. Except for Micah. You know the one. And every hotel room has one. And Yeah. It's very dad vibes. And also... Every time we get DMs like from a bunch of people all the time, whenever that they're at a hotel, they send me a picture of the Micah chair. And I'm like, awesome. I'm going to start like rating them. You should. I did that. Three out of five Micah chair. (laughs) Yeah. So Micah showed us the Micah chair in his hotel room this weekend. And yeah, I never sit in Micah chairs. They're gross. Like the bed, the sheets get changed. The Micah chair, though. There's, ugh, I don't want to know what's on the mica chair. Yeah, they probably spray it down. <laughs> I like those chairs. Ugh. Anyway. Well, I was off last week and now I'm back. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Nobody's going to be talking about my you. absence. I didn't, well, I didn't call in during. Were you in a mica chair, Eric, during uh, wherever you were? I actually did sit in the one chair in our apartment that I rarely sit in. So I'm going to, oh, okay. I'm going to claim that was an oh, homage. There you go. We had, uh, it was Meg's birthday. We had uh, a bunch of people over on Saturday and it was, yeah, a lot of people in our apartment. First time since the pandemic that we had like any group of people. That's so exciting. Yeah, over. So, and especially in the new place. So that was nice. But it's well, so funny. Happy birthday, Meg. Thanks. Yeah. I will pass She's that amazing. Along. I will pass it along. Please do. So we have all caught up and we both listened to last week's MuggleCast. And I finally had that listener experience of listening <laughs> to the episode and somebody will say something and I'm like, oh, I know the answer to that question. And then I can't interact because I'm not recording a podcast. So instead he <laughs> writes it in the doc for the next episode. I, I was about to say, you got your vengeance just fine, Eric. So listen, fam, <laughs> we're going to have a time. No, no, no. It was a great episode. I actually loved uh, t- getting Tyler back on. Obviously, mm-hmm. th- that dude's going places. He's got like this whole like all of his updates were awesome um but i did want to touch on the discussion about whether the horcruxes talk to one another and also whether uh voldemort himself can feel it uh mm-hmm. when a horcrux is destroyed and we know that in the deathly hallows movie he absolutely can um he becomes more sort of unhinged every time and just like a gasp 
But uh, in the books, that's not a thing. So I have two quotes. First from Half-Blood Prince, when Harry asks Dumbledore if Voldemort can feel it. Dumbledore says, and this is from Half-Blood Prince, chapter 23. A very interesting question, Harry. I believe not. I believe that Voldemort is now so immersed in evil and these crucial parts of himself have been detached for so long. He does not feel as we do. And then in uh, Deathly Hallows, chapter 27, after the break in at Gringotts, the book reads, this is, this is when Voldemort is finally discovering that Harry is after his horcruxes. Uh, his treasures, his safeguards, his anchors to immortality. The diary was destroyed and the cup was stolen. What if, what if the boy knew about the others? Could he know? Had he already acted? Had he traced more of them? Was Dumbledore at the root of this? Dumbledore, who had always suspected him, Dumbledore dead on his orders, Dumbledore whose wand was his, yet now who reached out from the ignominy of death through the boy, the boy. But surely, if the boy had destroyed any of his horcruxes, he, Lord Voldemort, would have known, would have felt it. He, the greatest wizard of them all, he, the most powerful, he, the killer of Dumbledore, and this goes on for a while. How could Lord Voldemort not have known if he himself, most important and precious, had been attacked, mutilated? True, he had not felt it when the diary had been destroyed, but he had thought that was because his body, he had no body to feel, being less than a ghost. No, surely the rest were safe. The other horcruxes must be intact. So the reason this quote is um, another sort of, well, additional quote uh, that works for this uh, argument is, by this time, Voldemort was back in his body when the ring was destroyed by Dumbledore the year prior, and he didn't feel it. Uh, so I think that, I think between those two quotes, we can definitively say, actually, no, Voldemort doesn't feel it when the Horcruxes get destroyed. And that's interesting because it highlights another flaw in Voldemort's plan. You know, we know that he's underestimating the power of love and how that extended to Harry from his mother, how Harry is able to extend that to the rest of the school in book seven, right? But he's also clearly been leading with the assumption the entire time that he would know what was happening with his horcruxes. And it sounds like he doesn't. They, yeah, I, I can't think of a moment where a horcrux that he made talk to him. They don't share information. They're kind of just total separate things. And if this theory doesn't work, then we are also confused still about Tom Riddle and how he came back as like so a sentient being like in with through the diary that raises that issue as well but i really loved this theory last week and i'm kind of sad that it's been disproven <laughs> yeah it's fun to speculate over yeah and i like the idea of even maybe the horcruxes that aren't voldemort right maybe they can sense each other and voldemort can't like i still that could still work. The ring is talking Voldemort to the locket himself. and the locket is talking to the diary and the diary exactly. is talking. But I, I feel comfort in the fact that when Harry is telling Tom Riddle how everything happened, uh, that it that info will never get to Voldemort, yeah. regular Voldemort. Because yeah. technically they're the same being. That's the part that trips me up. Yeah. yeah. I also like was texting Laura last night and I was just thinking like, at this point, I'm so over the author that canon doesn't matter to me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I, throw it all out. Yeah, wait, throw wait. all the canon out and I'm going to make the decision. What did you say? I declare canon. Yes. Oh, do yes. we have a sound there effect we for that this we week? We do have that, but we should save it maybe when we actually are declaring canon, you know? Damn, oh, it's not it's, important oh, enough. Dang. Damn. Eric did do a good job. We'll, we'll 
you know, how's that for a teaser? Everybody can anticipate it when we... <laughs> okay, okay. We a new sound effect for when that happens. I will yeah. say, Chloe, I agree. I think that there are changes that can be made to the canon of these stories that will make them better. In some cases, not in all or even most cases, but I think this change that we saw in the movies made a little more sense, at least to me, because these are all pieces of the same person's soul. To me, it made more sense. The movies did something right. Yeah. Well, in the movie, it makes <laughs> in the movie it makes more sense to see him become viscerally more um, yes. unhinged and dangerous with every passing right. thing. But think of it this way: if Book Voldemort knew or felt even the ring being destroyed, he would have spent all of Book Six, uh, Year Six of Harry's, That's making true. more Horcruxes, which we know he can do because since we're being restored to his body, he made the Frank Bryce, was it Nagini, became a Horcrux yeah. after yeah. his return. So we know Voldemort can keep making them. And if he had any inkling at all due to feeling it, due to a Horcrux talking to him, he would have acted against it and there never would have been an end. Yeah. I just want to point out into the Wicked Wood Becky's <laughs> Discord comment. I hope there was a Horcrux group chat. <laughs> Love. You up? <laughs> Let's all change each other's names in our phones, like block it. To a different book, Horcrux. Di- and then just do like a simulated chat. What and- Horcrux do you identify that's, as? <laughs> that's a great idea. We should do that. I'm obviously the diadem. You know those screenshots? <laughs> oh, yeah, because you shine bright like diamonds. Oh, nice. But anyway, so that was that was it. But I'm very excited to be back on the show talking about the final chapter of Chamber of Secrets. And for one last time for this book, it is time for a seven-word summary. And Eric, hopefully with the week off, you are refreshed and ready to <laughs> oh, give us God. a great starting word. Have we started yet with Harry? <laughs> I don't think we have. Yes! Once per book, everybody. <laughs> Accepts. Dumbledore's comforting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is going somewhere. This is going somewhere. Advice. On. Voldemort. There we go. See, that, that went See, I well. had a plan. We were, we were scared We're all surprised. In the yeah. We're all like... <laughs> Wow, that was coherent. It formed a sentence. <laughs> and next week, we will do a bit of a wrap-up on Chamber of Secrets. The main focus of the episode will be Hogwarts Legacy, but we'll do a bit of Chamber of Secrets wrap-up as well. And we will pick one of our seven-word summaries from Chamber of Secrets, like we did for book one, and we will redo it. It won't be this one, though. This one was solid. Yeah, I was about to wait. This one slays. Yeah. But yeah, so let's get started on Chapter 18, Dobby's Reward. We last left the group as they're heading to uh, Minerva's office, and they're a little apprehensive because they've just broken a bunch of rules. But they get to the office, and it turns out things are good. Dumbledore is returned, and in fact, Arthur and Molly are there to greet Ginny, and to everyone can you know have the reunion that they deserve, and also get a little bit of answers. So... Obviously, Dumbledore is very happy that everyone is back and in one piece. And I just have to laugh because he's presumably been back to the school for some time. But unlike at the end of year one, 
where Dumbledore is off at London. He returns back to the school. He realizes he should be with Harry. And then he pulls Quirrell, presumably off of Harry, and saves Harry's life. Uh, this time, he did not go down to the chamber to save Harry. He just kind of went to Minerva's office and is having some tea. Guess who's back? Back again. Back again. <laughs> Dumpy's back. Tell a friend. Oh, wait, where's Harry? I got to laugh because Dumbledore gets a lot of, uh, I think, goodwill credit for being like the headmaster when things go right here. But more than ever, this reread of this book is just like, what actually did Dumbledore do this year that deserves him? I don't know, feeling like he did something. <laughs> we have been making Andrew put in the work oh, to, defend to defend Dumbledore. Dumbledore and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. <laughs> I know. Here's just my general thought stepping outside of the storyline. You got to give Harry the action. You got to give him the attention. It's it's his story. It's it's he who will save the day. Mm -hmm. Should the child be doing it? No. But, <laughs> you know, Dumbledore comes in with a couple of assists. And, and there's a loyalty test here, too, which I think is meaningful. Let's also remember that earlier in the book, he told the minister who has power over him that getting rid of Hagrid and himself would do exactly nothing to solve the threat at the school. I, um, and then he was kicked out. So I don't get your loyalty point. Why would he have to test Harry's loyalty? Isn't he already super loyal? He doesn't have to, but I'm just saying from a plot perspective, having Fox come to his aid, the sword, and then later in this chapter, oh, am I a real Gryffindor? Yes, you're a real Gryffindor, and here's why. That's the loyalty test that was set up. I mean, Harry would be dead without Fox. It's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the series would have been over. <laughs> and as for why Dumbledore didn't go down to the chamber, he's 150. He's probably got some gnarly arthritis. Can you imagine him yeah. sliding down all those pipes? I don't think so. Now there's a canon answer. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbledore's old. So I'm too old ages? for this. Uh, this is, uh, he's 150. It's okay. <laughs> well, Dumbledore is being described as having, remember, five years from now, he has perfect breaststroke uh, or breaststroke when That's he, true. When he uh, swims true. into the cave. So he's life. He can move around. The interesting thing for me about Dumbledore in this and this whole end of the story is that it it does bring in. Of course, this is Harry's story. Like, of course, I get it. Um, but as Harry goes through uh, what happened and how it happened. Dumbledore is able to like further give some insight. So he, Dumbledore's the one that breaks the ice after Harry tells his whole story about everything. And bless Harry, he leaves out the part about Ginny in the diary. Um, Dumbledore nevertheless is like, okay, so you tell me, how was it that Lord Voldemort came to control Ginny? And everyone gasps and everyone's shocked. So Dumbledore did know ultimately what was going on. So are we saying that that was his choice to just let Harry face Voldemort just like he did the first year alone? I do think it's like super irresponsible, his absence <laughs> this entire year. It's like you're, you know that everyone's in danger. It's obvious. And he knows more than anyone else does because he always knows more than anyone else does. So I do think it's irresponsible and letting some 12 year olds just figure it out seems not like the right choice. But I think Andrew's point, you know, this is Harry's book. I think that's a really like, that's what's important. <laughs> it works. And Harry yeah. would have done it. Harry would have done it anyway. I think that's another thing that we forget. Like Harry 
wants to be the hero and wants to prove himself. And even if Dumbledore was had his like were, was more hands on, I think that Harry would still want to go down to the chamber, you know, find Ginny and be, you know, the hero that he always wants to be. Yeah, this might be something that Harry digs up at some point in therapy. But maybe one reason that he has a saving people thing, want to be uh, the hero thing is because his first introduction into the wizarding world was your mom saved your life. And after hearing that, he wants to prove himself and tell everybody, I can look out for myself. I can take care of myself. So I wonder, too, if part of Harry's drive simply comes from wanting to prove himself as a meaningful member of the wizarding world. Harry needs so much therapy, like oh, so, yeah. so much therapy. Everyone in the Harry Potter series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly because of Dumbledore, right? <laughs> and Dumbledore's choices. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. on Dumbledore keeping his distance, didn't we have that theory one time that maybe Dumbledore is doing that purposely in case uh, Voldemort is able to read Harry's mind and then he yeah. can overhear what Dumbledore is saying? And so I, I think that's valid even this early on. Yeah, well, and also Dumbledore knows about the prophecy. Harry doesn't know about it at this point, but Dumbledore could be thinking, you know, at any time, this prophecy could manifest itself, right? Like, we don't really know what the timeline is going to look like at this point in the series about Harry and Voldemort's final confrontation. It's interesting to see how Dumbledore uses the info he has, though, because he still positions himself as like the greatest know-it-all about Voldemort, all things Voldemort. He says not only that uh, later in the chapter, he says definitively that Tom Riddle was the last remaining descendant. It's like, wow, you really paid close attention. We know Dumbledore went for years tracing the lineage. Um, of Voldemort. But he also says to everyone's uh, astonishment that Voldemort currently, as in post-Quirrell Voldemort, is currently hanging out in the, or sorry, hiding, not hanging out, choice of phrase matters, in the forests of Albania. Mm -hmm. So it's, the question is, what interests me the most, said Dumbledore gently, is how Lord Voldemort managed to enchant Ginny when my sources tell me he's currently hiding in the forest of Albania. So that, that works on several levels. First, it it does differentiate between the diary Tom and the current Voldemort. It I think it also speaks to how this was a separate entity, although the same person. But yeah, that whole hiding out in Albania line is a remarkable like trump card that Dumbledore just knows that about where Voldemort's last remaining like bodiless essences that used to be him. I do wonder... Dumbledore mentions, my sources tell me he's currently hiding in Albania. Who are his sources? It's Aberforth, isn't it? <laughs> Just always. Anytime there's something Dumbledore knows, it's it's all Aberforth. <laughs> it's always the source. Yeah. yeah. I actually looked around a bit online to see if anybody had any thoughts on this, and there doesn't seem to be a conclusive answer. Options include dark creatures had informed him who had been Dumbledore spies on other occasions. The fact that Quirrell came across Voldemort while traveling in Albania. There's a few different options here. I don't think we ever get a definitive answer. It doesn't seem to be as simple as his double agent Snape. I completely agree with some of the dark creatures, animals talking to each other. Okay, I have a headcanon that Dumbledore already has formed the order. 
or has begun forming the order, or he has at least two or three people that eventually become the founding members, or not the founding, but the refounding members of Order of the Phoenix that he is talking to on the regular, like Kingsley and Dollish. And I was even thinking maybe um, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are brought in pretty soon because they are super connected to Dumbledore early on. And Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are there at the end of this book, for example. So maybe they're already forming the beginnings of a secret network. And also Dumbledore is revered even with creatures that don't like humans, like centaurs, like giants, like goblins. He's formed these connections by being nice to them and um, negotiating and that sort of thing. So I think that that's also another way that he knows all, sees all. I'm sure Dumbledore has like a network of spies, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, (laughs) I like that. Thinking about a pre-ordered network. Yeah, that sounds right. And the interesting thing, too, if we wanted to connect the threads, Andrew, you mentioned that's pretty much where Wormtail finds Voldemort, the forests of Albania. And I feel like the line that comes to mind is like, you can find Voldemort, like, if you know where to go, Um, because like (laughs) Peter, Peter asks other rats, you know, or whatever, and eventually finds this source of like among the animals, they know that there's this unnatural entity of consciousness that's like sharing their lives. Although Voldemort says it kills, he says that they, nobody lasts very long. Um, it's sort of a temporary thing to share the body of some of these um, creatures in the forest. But actually, uh, Albania is also where Bertha Jorkins goes missing in two years time. Uh, she was on vacation in Albania, which <laughs> I think we'll have a, a separate conversation in Goblet of Fire, learning more about uh, Albania, its history, its people. Yeah, why Albania? Well, I like, I, ho- <laughs> I, do, I hope that Albanians don't feel uh, maligned here because that's Voldemort's hangout. All bad things <laughs> happen in Albania. Maybe it's just that amazing of a place to vacation. <laughs> but Dumbledore bringing this around to where Voldemort is and how he knows everything about him might also ingratiate, like you were saying about forming the Order of the Phoenix. I had the idea that Dumbledore isn't above uh, using this opportunity where Molly and Arthur's daughter has just been attacked or possessed all year to recruit them to the Order. That's cool. So like that, that could be used to be like, hey, we could use your help for making sure this doesn't happen to somebody else's kid. Yeah. Oh. Albania looks really nice, it's- Laura. Laura just sent all of us a link to <laughs> the Albania Google Resorts and it, uh, results, and it looks really excellent. So yeah. if I was Voldemort, I'd also go to Albania. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't expecting the beach. Uh, this is, yeah. I mean, it's me co- either. <laughs> Rat Voldemort is just on the beach sun tanning yeah i i too was looking at it on google maps and uh, i mean it's near greece too greece is a great place Ooh, to vacation yeah. maybe voldemort just wanted to work on his tan In i mean he's very pale he could he could tan up a little bit is this like call me by your name but nobody says his name so it's like <laughs> oh don't call me by my name don't call the me new by movie <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's, it's a big country. I'm sure there's forests. and Yeah, things, for sure. Yeah. Um, I am sensing a Photoshop opportunity here, though. Mm. Oh, my God. Sorry, Laura. Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> no, give it to me. What are you sensing? Voldemort on a beach in Albania tanning himself. I don't think anyone wants to see shirtless Voldemort, but <laughs> let me see if I can make this happen for you. 
Doesn't Harry get correspondence from Dumbledore once and it's like on a tropical bird or something and he pictures Dumbledore with like suntan lotion or no, I'm combining. What? No, that was it that was, was serious. He gets the letter from. But Dumbledore, he does the, it, the topic does come up at one point. What did the teachers do during summer? And he yep. picks, pictures uh, <laughs> like a nasal strip or something on 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 Dumbledore suntan lotion. Mm-hmm. I hope McGonagall has a secret life in like the Bahamas. Oh, I definitely <laughs> hope so. So here's a. Uh, an interesting characterization of Voldemort from none other than Dumbledore. Harry replies, it was this diary, picking it up and showing it to Dumbledore, Riddle wrote in it when he was 16. And it says, Dumbledore took the diary from Harry and peered keenly down his long crooked nose at its burnt and soggy pages. Of course, he was probably the most brilliant student Hogwarts has ever seen. He turned around to the Weasleys, who were looking utterly bewildered. (laughs) I mean, Dumbledore gives Tom Riddle a little bit of credit here. He says he was probably the most brilliant student Hogwarts has ever seen. And I can't help but equate this to Ollivander's. You will do great things. After all, he who must not be named did great things. Terrible things. Yeah. Great. I did think his choice of the word brilliant was very interesting here. I mean, he's saying this right in front of Ginny. <laughs> and Arthur and Molly. And it's it's like, super insensitive. Well, and Harry. Super insensitive. Yeah. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> he's got a whole audience there. But I was also wondering, maybe he's replying to Harry figuring it out. He's calling Harry figuring it out brilliant. I think he's calling Tom Riddle yeah. brilliant. And I think that it's a weird choice of words because the connotation usually when we use brilliant is positive, but he's not wrong. Tom Riddle is brilliant and what he's done is brilliant magic. Um, And I think it's insensitive, but truthful. And I just think that Dumbledore cares way more about like reflecting right now on the fact that this is like a crazy bit of magic that no one's ever seen before rather than being like, oh, we're so like, we're sorry, which he should have done. But Molly should have been like, brilliant. My kid almost died. Yeah. <laughs> this is the same person who says, not my daughter, you bitch. She should have had another. Uh, it was like kid. that. That's my daughter. You bit, you know, kind yeah, of. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's my daughter. You bitch. Yeah. Like that's what he did. Um, Actually talking about the diary. I had this thought again while listening to last week's, but weren't you guys asking uh, why the diary did like seem to do more than the other Horcruxes? Because mm-hmm. I seem to remember like as they're wearing the locket, it gradually is weighing on them. And I, I feel like by the time the the trio gets to open the locket, I feel like that Horcrux has sort of grown in power or capability. I mean, it, it like in the movie, especially it literally like explodes, but it's able to like recreate some visions. It recreates the Harry and Hermione being romantic for Ron and things like that. I wonder if they aren't in fact all that way where the closer they are in human contact, the more they can start to kind of seep in and, and possess. But Ginny's diary had was like, it was the whole year that that she poured that into her so yeah so had the had the trio worn the locket for longer but at that point they knew what they were dealing with um it, sure. it maybe could have gained its own form all the horcruxes could have gained their strength the way that the the diary did i like that and i think you're probably right but i think you would have had 
it would have taken years for the locket to do the same thing or for the diadem to do the same thing because Jenny is physically writing her feelings, her hopes, her desires, her sadness into the diary, which is like she's literally bearing her soul to the diary. Yeah, there's a reason they call it that. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So I think it was a much, much quicker process. I'm not sure how one would bear their soul to a locket. I think that it would have to slowly take bits and bits and pieces over a very long time. So I think that the it was probably only practical to do it this way for the diary. I'm almost second guessing myself about the locket now because it was with Creature for many, many years. And we learned mm. that it really curbed his personality, kind of made him that that and the fact that he lost Regulus uh, at the same time as he got the locket. He it kind of just warped Creature, but it never tried to possess him or take him over. Um, that we know of. So, like, I don't think Creature really suspected uh, an entity inside it, necessarily. And, and and house elves can usually sense that kind of a thing. Think of Dobby warning Harry about the diary at the beginning of this book. So, I, and it is said, I think in this chapter, too, that Dobby knew specifically that the diary was young Voldemort. Voldemort before he was Voldemort. Right. So, the fact that Creature never suspected that in the locket, plot hole or not, um, means that maybe the locket couldn't become itself fully or couldn't be a, its own thing the way the diary could. But then that just goes to me to say, maybe it's because the diary was the first Horcrux Voldemort yeah. made. And I tend to think of them as being exponential. So uh, when when teenage Voldemort makes the first Horcrux, it splits his soul in half. But then the next time he makes a Horcrux, it only makes, it's half his soul that remains. So he's essentially quartering. So every Horcrux has less power or less of like his overall soul quota. Like when he makes another Horcrux, it's not like 17% of his soul goes from one Horcrux to the other. It's like you're splitting it. You're yeah. becoming less and less human. If that, Sorry for the math, everybody. Who made that point last week about, you know, the most of Voldemort's soul being in the diary? I think it was, was Tyler. It Tyler. Probably yeah, Tyler. Tyler. That Laura. was like such a mind blown for me mind blow moment for me because I was thinking about it. I was like, of course, of course it'd be the most powerful one because it's the first. Whereas Nagini probably has like such a tiny bit of Voldemort's soul inside her because he split it so many times. Well, and then, and then think, think about, so we're going to get to Harry in a minute. Think about the last Horcrux Voldemort ever made. Well, no, he made Nagini after this, but that part of Voldemort's soul that's in Harry, you know, he didn't have much soul left uh, by that time, right before he died and right before Harry defeated him. But the little bit of Voldemort that did attach itself to the nearest living thing, a.k.a. baby Harry, spoilers for Deathly Hallows, um, was enough to give Harry parcel tongue. Uh, Dumbledore says that that was something that was transferred there. So, and that's not nothing. Barely anybody can speak Parseltongue. There are still these very potent little things that Harry can do as a result of that little bit of Voldemort's soul. No bit of Voldemort's soul is ever going to be tame or safe. Right. Still going to be very, very powerful. But I, I agree with the original point that Tom Riddle's diary is probably the most powerful Horcrux. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting that it gets the most powerful Horcrux is destroyed in book two. And we yeah. don't even know it yet. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so true. And if we want to get like really mad at just for a second, 
I'm wondering about the weight of Voldemort's soul carries in the first place. How much soul does someone like Voldemort actually have who was created not out of love, but out of a love potion? Like, does he have just as much soul as Harry does, for example? Is it like a different type of soul? Because in my brain, his soul is powerful because he is powerful, but it is not like as rich or as much soul as someone like Harry would be. This is a lot, but I just don't think that if Harry created, well, he would never, but if he created a a Horcrux, I think that he would have a lot more soul to give. That's an interesting question. Seeing a soul as like a whole thing that Dementors can suck out of you, for instance. um, I like to think everybody has one. Like everybody has the exact the exact finite amount of to soul. work with, sure, you know, sure, like, sure. But, but I can see what you mean as far as your like the nourishment of the soul. Things like friends, mm-hmm. laughter, friendship, yeah, love exactly, would make your soul healthier. Um, but we'll have plenty of time in the future to talk about Horcruxes. Um, I think <laughs> because we're going through the books. Um, and Dumbledore at one point speculates what it would take Voldemort to m- m- like merge his Horcruxes. Which last week you guys were mentioning, could the little Tom Riddle go off and find regular old man Voldemort, crusty Voldemort, um, and merge with him? Would they be rivals? There's some really interesting question there. It's like, would they race each other to the top, being they're essentially the same beings? But I digress. So Dumbledore tells Harry, he says, you can speak possible to... I'm sorry, Andrew, do you want to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can speak possible tongue, Harry, said Dumbledore calmly. And by the way, every time it, Dumbledore speaks calmly, like multiple times this chapter, and every time I hear that word with Dumbledore in front of it, I think of the Goblet of Fire movie moment. But anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> because Lord Voldemort, who is the last remaining descendant of Salazar Slyther- Slytherin, can speak Pulsatongue. Unless I'm much mistaken, he transferred some of his own powers to you the night he gave you that scar. Not something he intended to do, I'm sure. And then Harry says, Voldemort put a bit of himself in me. He said, thunderstruck. It certainly seems so. We know from later in the books that Dumbledore didn't necessarily really know Horcruxes specifically uh, were at play until today, until this diary was brought straight in. He tells Harry as much, if we can believe it. Um, There are some anachronisms like Dumbledore Slughorn in one of the previous memories tells Tom Riddle that Dumbledore is particularly fierce about avoiding the topic of Horcruxes uh, being taught. In, in school. So it doesn't necessarily, it's not 100% true, but my question is, can we trust Dumbledore that he's telling, that he's not being, uh, like, omitting a lie here when he says, oh, yeah, you know, like, a bit of his soul came into you, or a bit, a bit, a bit of uh, himself came into you. Is Dumbledore lying to Harry here? Does Dumbledore really, like, know more about this? And can we finally up our Dumbledore lie count, which is only at eight, <laughs> at eight? <laughs> Oh, it's weird. It's like he's not as bad as y'all make him out to be. No, no, he's awful. <laughs> awful is a strong word. Ugh. All I think about when you're reading this is how Delphi ends up being actually yep. the, the last, the last um, survivor of Salazar Slytherin and the last parcel. <laughs> but we just talked about how canon doesn't really exist and it's um, a figment of my imagination. So I also think this kind of negates the point and maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but is it just Slytherin's line that speaks parcel tongue? I thought it was an ability that other fi- other people could have. It's just really, really rare. 
Well, and we have to remember you can easily speak parcel tongue yourself R- if you really course. want to. So. <laughs> of course. Well, if you're Ron Weasley. Absolutely. Right. There's only one Ron who can pull that off. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's ever established that only descendants of Slytherin can do it. But at the same time, the only people that we see really do it, apart from Ron just mimicking mm-hmm. what he's heard, are descendants of Slytherin and Harry who got the power transferred to him. So I don't know that there's I don't know that the canon weighs in one way or the other. In my head, Merlin can speak Parseltongue. I don't know if that's yeah. real at all, yeah. but well, and he was a Slytherin, so I know. I know. He at least has the house affiliation. <laughs> to get back to Eric's question though, is this a lie of a mission? I think we do see more info in Snape's worst memory that Dumbledore could have offered Harry. But of course, it's when the time is right, when the time is right. Yeah. And I think that Dumbledore actually gives Harry a very age appropriate explanation about Horcruxes here. Yes. Without getting into what a Horcrux is, how it's made, what Voldemort's master plan is, or at least what he suspects it to be at this point. He's literally telling him, yeah, he transferred a bit of himself into you which is why you can do these things. That is the truth. Yeah. Ultimately, I mean yeah. if you're if you're thinking about how you talk to young children about complex issues, you try to simplify it so that it's accessible, but you also try not to lie about it, right? Like that I know is a common concern for parents is like figuring out how to talk to their young children about the difficult things in the world and how to do so in an age appropriate way. I think Dumbledore accomplishes that here. So you're actually giving Dumbledore a compliment. I am. When I I ask you to up the the lie count and you're like, I can't do it. He's he's treating his not not here. Yeah. There are other times where we can up the lie count. And I think we're going to see that as we get into books three and four. Oh, okay. I, yeah. All right. <laughs> I think the further further in the book series we go, yeah. honestly, the worst, Dumbledore, the worst Dumbledore gets because as we unfold all the things. But I will say Dumbledore in this chapter specifically is exactly what Harry needs. He is comforting. Um, He says what he needs to say without letting on too much or scaring Harry. Harry's 12. Like, let us not forget he's 12 years old. And he says exactly what Harry needs to hear. And I will 100% give Dumbledore credit for that because Harry doesn't get enough moments where people are like, I care about you. Let me tell you this thing. Um, let me compliment you. Let me comfort you. Like, I think that he needed that in yes. this moment. And spoiler alert, this is why he's my MVP of the week. This is exactly why. <laughs> wow, big surprise. We'll we're all very surprised later. about that choice. <laughs> Nobody I'm saw that shocked. coming. Um, we're going to pivot to talking about Lucius Malfoy, who's a big role in this chapter. Before we jump into the next part of our discussion, did you three see the AI arts created? depicting Voldemort on a beach in Albania in our Discord. I did. Scroll up a little bit. What? You'll see this. It's horrific. Court found this. Oh my goodness. And disturbingly, Court says somebody had already searched for this before. She wasn't the one who came up with this initial piece of art. 
When did Voldemort become a daddy? I'm confused. At- <laughs> yeah, so let me describe it for listeners. He's in like a stone white rocking chair. He's ripped. He's shirtless <laughs> on a beach wearing like John Lennon-like sunglasses. He's got teeth. He's got a bit of a nose. And the weather looks great. I cannot stop looking at this because I'm horrified and simultaneously. But Chloe, now you can just post this on social media. I mean, give credit what? to the bot, but. I, it's horrifying. Chloe's <laughs> like, we'll lose followers if we post this. We cannot post this. What I will say, <laughs> though. Sexualizing Lord Voldemort. I really feel like the face is so much closer to what I imagine Voldemort to look like than what we get in the movies. It's more skeletal. His nose yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. If you zoom in it's here, awful. it's like half off. <laughs> I'm going to vomit. I'm going to vomit. Well, and he needs that nose to hold his sunglasses up, so he better not oh, right, get rid of any right. more of that nose. I cannot. They made him so ripped. This is like steroid level ripped. <laughs> And it almost looks like his beach towel hanging over the back of his chair has the Hogwarts crest on it, which I think would just be incredible. I do appreciate <laughs> that the um, chair is made of bones. I do appreciate that. Oh, I'm yeah. Yeah. Let's so call it. scared. Anyway, well done, AI. You are, uh, you just saved Chloe like 20 minutes, though I don't know if she's going to post I'm this. I'm not posting that. No. <laughs> Chloe was I terrified on camera. Okay. I'll, never mind. I will post it on. No, I'll post it, but I'm just know that I personally, every bone you in my body is telling to me to not do it. We yeah, understand. Wow. Make that the caption. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe, I did, did not want post to post this, but not approved by Chloe. <laughs> hey, maybe Mugglecast needs a Finsta where we can post stuff no. like this. Oh, good, another account for me to run. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Can you do that for us, Chloe? Thanks. Yeah. So we know that uh, throughout the entire school year, Ginny was writing in the diary. The diary was making her do these attacks, slowly getting more and more of her energy. But if we want to look for a second culprit, person even behind that happening, it's Lucius Malfoy. And he comes in to Dumbledore's office and it is actually revealed that, uh, well, here he pieces it together, really that it was in fact Lucius's um, doing, that it was the day back in Flourish and Blots, that he used the diversion of fighting with Arthur to sneak in the book. Uh, we actually, I just rewatched the movie last night too, and it happens in the movie. It's really clever how that how that is all done. Um, but even Dumbledore speculates that, oh, wouldn't it be a shame if Arthur Weasley's daughter, Arthur Weasley doing all of these um, muggle artifact raids and making sure there's these no, no dark objects, uh, was in fact caught politically with his daughter having killed Muggleborns. Um, so there's very much a clear motive here. And Dumbledore just kind of like, He's he's not going to take Lucius in, but he basically says uh, no more Voldemort school things uh, should should find their way into innocent hands. It's like, wow, this dude totally plotted this. This dude totally intended for this to happen. Yeah. And he has some nerve walking into Hogwarts and being like, why are you back, Dumbledore? I mean, <laughs> shouldn't he think like Dumbledore's got him figured out at this point? How could he not? think something must be up if Dumbledore is back. Oh, and Dumbledore is back. And not only that, he does have his number. He says, oh, you know, interestingly enough, all the other governors thought that uh, they you would curse their families. 
And, and yeah, Lucius yeah. has like the gall to be surprised by that. He's like, huh? You talk to me like that? And it's like, well, you did. You did all. You're guilty of everything here. Uh, yeah. The yeah. audacity that rich white men have in the real world clearly translates <laughs> to <laughs> the wizarding world because Lucius, and this is true, has enough money to make any of his problems go away. So of course he's walking proud and loud into Dumbledore's office. And is there any consequences for him after this? Nope. No. Very little. The only consequence yeah. is that he gets removed from the Board of Governors, which is fine because he still has the freaking Minister of Magic in his back pocket yeah. until <laughs> book six. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, it's a good point. And that whole time you were talking about that, Chloe, I heard the Kesha song, Rich White Straight Men. Because you're like, why do Rich Straight Straight Men? It's like, <laughs> I'm so oh, glad. yeah, it's, it's so one. good. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> the level of privilege here is astounding. And Lucius faces no real consequences for this. Um, but still, it's important, I think, for the audience. This is like a very teaching moment for me um, when I was young and reading this book for the first time to really see the depths of the plot. Like, here's a man who wanted to discredit his uh, rival professionally and was willing to stop at nothing to make sure it happened. Um, now, this is this is a source of... Uh, Voldemort being very disappointed in Lucius too, um, for being so reckless with a, what Lucius doesn't even know was a piece of his soul. So yeah, Lucius is in hot water later for this act. Maybe that's a consequence. But for right now, he gets to walk out. Lucius is also delusional for thinking, oh, I'm just going to go up against Dumbledore. I'll be totally fine. Like that yeah. is crazy to me. I think Lucius is probably one of the the, probably the character I hate the most, even more than Voldemort in the series. Not Jason Isaacs, though, because he's my baby and I love he's him. He's great. But <laughs> but Lucius Malfoy is like so despicable and he's so real. And that's the part about him that Lily grinds my gears because Voldemort in my head, I'm like, eh, he's he can't exist. But Lucius exists yes. everywhere. Yeah, it makes your skin crawl. To read about mm -hmm. it and to be like, oh, I, I know a lot of Lucy. I've seen that life. happen. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's also probably the type of person who's never been told no in his life. He comes no, from yeah. a rich family. He always gets his way. And that's why he struts in and is like, why are you back here, Dumbledore? Well, we see that exact thing in Draco until he gets knocked down a few pegs. I think by the fourth book, Draco has less of this, but he also has never been told no either. Yeah. So Draco has the same attitude. Well, even in this chapter, I think it's noted that Draco's acting quieter mm -hmm. because he knows yeah. Harry saved the yeah, day. Yeah, dude. And mudbloods are no longer being petrified or potentially killed. Right. And there is an interesting connecting the threads here between Chamber of Secrets and Half-Blood Prince, specifically as it relates to the Malfoys, father and son, and Dumbledore. Um, you know, we know that Lucius is single-handedly responsible for getting Dumbledore uh, removed from Hogwarts, albeit temporarily in this book. But then in Half-Blood Prince, Draco plays a pretty big part in getting Dumbledore removed from the school permanently. Yeah. But it's funny because when Draco is confronted with the moment where he is going to get to do what his father would have loved to have done years ago, he can't do it. And Snape has to step in for him. So it's just interesting comparing these confrontations between the Malfoys, 
with Dumbledore between this book and book six. The context of Lucius and Jason Isaac's amazing performance, especially as Lucius, just gives Draco so Mm -hmm. many layers and makes you feel so much worse for Draco and also understand him so much more. And I really appreciate that. And it makes me even madder that Draco didn't have a redemption arc. Um, Well, I guess he did in The Cursed Child, but didn't have a redemption arc that we saw because there's so much set up to see Draco as the antihero, see Draco as the one that, you know, comes back and realizes and is more like his mother and it just never comes to fruition and it drives me cuckoo bananas. They tried to (laughs) give him a moment in Deathly Hallows Part 2, but it got cut. Oh, still not over that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. So it actually is Dobby that seems to indicate uh, to Harry what exactly happened here. And I just find this to be... I guess a satisfying conclusion to Dobby's arc in this book. I like that Dobby is now free. Of course, I like that. Uh, He's now going to be an ally to Harry moving forward. And, you know, it's good to have different creatures on your side with different capabilities uh, all the same. But Harry does the right thing. And it's also very tricky, very clever how he passes the sock on to Lucius to pass to Dobby. And we can't forget, too, that Dobby, you know, he is still... Prior to the sock incident, he is still a slave to the Malfoy family, and he is literally still beating himself while he's frantically pointing between Lucius and the diary and looking at Harry with this very pointed expression of like, this is the guy. This is what happened. This is how this all came to fruition, Harry. And he's literally like punching himself as he's doing this. So it just speaks to his character and his character's moral compass that he's putting himself through this, putting himself honestly in a lot of danger by doing this to make sure that Harry can connect the dots here. I think this is finally when we see the Dobby that we fall in love with, Um, you know, by the end of the series, this is when Dobby yeah. becomes a G uh, for all of us because he's he's like, yes, he's hurting himself and we see how much he cares about Harry and we see the situation that he's in. But he's also putting Harry in so much danger throughout the book and frankly being annoying that we're like, oh, my God. And this is, I think, the switching point where it's like Dobby is free. Um, Dobby, like told Harry what Lucius did. And this is the moment we're all like, okay, now we're obsessed with him. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a great scene in the movie too. I did have a question about a couple lines here. So Dobby does throw Lucius backwards. He kind of falls down the stairs. He ends up in a crumpled heap. And Dobby says to Lucius, you shall go now. You shall not touch Harry Potter. You shall go now. And then it says Lucius Malfoy had no choice. What was Dobby going to do to Lucius next? Any guesses? Throw him across the room again? <sighs> Kill him? I-, I wonder how much worse it was going to get. Yeah. Maybe take him somewhere. Like away. Take him out back. <laughs> take yeah. him out back. He's going to go in the Show street. His boss. He's going to the alley. <laughs> I, this does point, though, to another moment in the series and in canon where how self magic is clearly very powerful Uh. and free. And maybe that's why wizards are so scared of free house elves. Um, Just a theory because 
we've seen that house elf magic can inflict real injury and damage on wizards and they don't need wands. Yeah. And it's almost like the wizards are afraid that they might be treated badly by the house elves. Mm -hmm. I wonder wonder why they think that. Little revolution. Final point here on Lucius. Do we think that it is... I'm trying I'm not like trying to forgive him or, or like apologize for him, but seeing as how Voldemort gave him this diary, it's a diary that very actively like seeks to open the chamber. Like it's the diary was always meant to possess somebody into opening the chamber. That's exactly what Tom Riddle said in the last chapter, uh, that it's supposed to continue Salazar Slytherin's noble work. Can Voldemort really be upset that Lucius did this? Um, given that it had to come out sometime, that diary was always sort of made to be at higher risk than all the others because it's literally causing events to happen that will draw a lot of scrutiny. Voldemort's not reasonable with his followers. Um, and I think that he he's very much the type of character to put, you know, kind of put things in motion. Um, put the diary in Lucius's hands and just expect him to succeed, right? Expect him to ultimately reach the at the desired endpoint, which is continuing Slytherin's legacy, you know, getting Muggleborns out of the school, etc. And I don't really think Voldemort cares about the particulars of the plan and how it manifests as long as it manifests the way he wants it to. And if it doesn't, then he's very happy to let someone like Lucius be the fall guy for that. We see that later in the series too. So I I do think he gives Lucius more allowances than his other followers. I think that the amount of mistakes Lucius Malfoy makes compared to the other followers is actually higher. But because Lucius has so much money and influence, Voldemort knows that keeping him around um, is more important and his family as well. Yeah. He eventually gets his fill of it, though, because by the end of the series, Lucius is uh, he's in some hot water with Voldy. Yeah, but he still doesn't kill him. And I feel like he kills so Mm. frequently his followers when they don't do what he wants. But I guess to extend your point, Chloe, you're also saying that Lucius, I'll start using Lucius because I know everybody else here is, um, is able to influence people around him. So that's why Voldemort keeps him around. So by extension, got Mm -hmm. it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And now let's get to some odds and ends. So in a kind of maybe a throwback to year one, uh, this year also ends with uh, special points awarded to Harry and Ron. In fact, 400 total points. Gryffindor again wins the House Cup because no other house had any chance to earn this many points to try and catch up and fend them off. I think at this point... Every other house at school just has to be like, let's get an extra three or 400 points above Gryffindor just in case Dumbledore pulls this crap again. Start early. Or how about this? How about they save the school? You ever think about that, (laughs) Slytherins, Hufflepuffs? You save the school, then you'll win. It's just that simple. You be Harry Potter. You be the chosen one. You be the chosen. Yeah. With special powers. Uh, Yeah. I have such strong feelings about this. (laughs) 
Go off. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. It's 1000% favoritism. And also anytime in the entire series points are awarded, I'm like, this makes no freaking sense. Where is the scale? Where is, you know, the point guidelines here? Because Snape's out here giving 10, taking away 20. McGonagall's out here taking away 50, giving 50. And then Dumbledore's like 200 freaking points at the end of Chamber of Secrets. And it doesn't even align what Dumbledore did last year because Dumbledore last year also gave a bunch of points to Ron, Harry, and Hermione. He gave 60 to Harry, 50 each to Ron and Hermione. And this year they did the same thing again. They saved the school again. And I realized that the stakes are a tiny bit higher, but he gives tiny. 150 more points. Okay, they're higher. The stakes are higher, but they he saved still the saves school. the school last year and this year and they he gives 150 more points for essentially doing the same thing i like i don't get i don't i don't get it i don't <laughs> get the, the point system for saving the school they saved the school twice why aren't they given the same amount of points twice why does they have to give so many more because albus is blown away that they did it again was he not blown away oh my god well I- he's <laughs> even more blown away that he did it that they Listen, did it two years it's in, a in row. harry potter's contract that he needs to make more points every year okay <laughs> I do it agree with you. So the scale crazy. Where's the scale of points? There's Where no is any guidelines. I agree. There needs to be guidelines. Yeah, there's. It's all at the professor's discretion to decide it's like inf- what feels yeah. appropriate. Um, so Hermione gets an answer to a really tough question correct, and she gets five points in class. But then. Harry and Ron like deliberately break the rules, put themselves and other students in a lot of danger, and they get hundreds of points for it. Um, it is absolutely up to the discretion of the professor giving the points, which is broken. I agree with that. There needs the to be some kind of standard, some sort of guideline, yes. for like mm-hmm. you know the amount of points given or taken away depending on the infraction, or you know the good thing that people have done. I mean, like, I want to chalk it up to inflation, but it's Chamber of Secrets. It's the second book. And the points go down in the third and the fourth. <laughs> like, this is the, I think, the most amount of points ever awarded, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, I guess it's a good thing that Dumbledore's not around at the end of book seven to give points. <laughs> wow. Yeah. As Michelle points out in our Discord, uh, there's point inflation happening. Uh, something you had to really get on top of that. Oh, I didn't even I'm see not that. Denying it. Michelle and I are on the same wavelength here. Yeah. Yeah. So we haven't mentioned Lockhart, but uh, it turns out he got a taste of his own medicine. It's a, in a real moment of poetic justice. Um, would not have expected him to come back, but we will eventually get a little bit of an appearance mm-hmm. from Gilderoy in a few years' time. Very satisfying. Um, I think by the time it comes around in book five and the St. Mungo's chapters, uh, I still feel like he deserves it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's Agreed. a terrible person. And what's so Justice. funny about this is when Dumbledore announces that they're searching for a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher during the end of year feast, all the teachers cheer. <laughs> <laughs> Good this guy was riddance. not well liked. Bye. <laughs> See ya. I will say one thing. If I was at Hogwarts, me, my personality, I would be sad 
that there wasn't a Lockhart Valentine's Day party the next year. I would I be sad about that. I know a lot of people wouldn't be, but I do love the energy he brought. But then you could have taken Day. up the mantle and organized That's true, the and next I could have one. made it better, and I also wasn't like a horrible human being. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's good plan. You're not fake. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Dumbledore mentions that DADA teachers, see, they're running through him real quickly, and he's going to prepare a note uh, or like a job listing. Was this something that we thought twice about? Um, I think Dumbledore is making a point because last year it was Quirrell. This year, Lockhart isn't necessarily the main bad guy, but nevertheless, he's gone. Were we starting to notice a trend or was this too early? I didn't notice it when I was first reading the books. Me neither. Me neither. Me neither. Yeah, it is curious, though, that for two yeah. years in a row, they're losing their teachers. Dumbledore 100% knows what's going on. Didn't he interview Riddle? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the, well, no, it's been happening for like the last... Oh, no, Dip It did. Well, no, well, Dumbledore... Oh, when he comes back. Yeah, yeah, yeah when he yeah, comes yeah. back, yeah. Um, but so this has happened at least 10 years in a row. That's the funny thing that we don't realize is it's not just, it doesn't just start when Harry comes to school. Uh, it's been happening ever since Dumbledore and, and Voldemort met uh, when Voldemort, I guess, was in his like early to mid 20s. Um, so the funny kind of part about that is um, Quirrell, who did work at the school prior to last year, was actually the Muggle Studies professor. Um, who who pivoted, who transitioned. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's why it's not um, canon breaking uh, to assume this. But yeah, every DADA teacher has to go. Unfortunately, it doesn't bode well for the next one who we really love. I do think it's a little sinister that he's like being so flippant and like cheeky about the fact that every DADA teacher like is lost. He's like, oh, ha ha, another DADA teacher well, gone. Another teacher gone. <laughs> The only the only hope is that they resign in choice the way Lupin questionably does. Right. Like with their body and selves intact. But he that wasn't in choice though, if yeah. we're honest. No, no. But I'm saying alive, able yeah. to still breathe and know who they are. But if that's the best case scenario, like what the hell are we talking about? After twelve years, the thing is Dumbledore himself should do it, but he never would because he's too important. Um yeah, it's it's a what do you do with a cursed position? I you know, you got to do what you got to do. But considering he hired an outright fraud this year, uh, there's nowhere to go but up. That's true. True. That's Maybe true. he should have just like launched a whole new course, like throw out DADA and Ooh. come up with something DADA adjacent like to self protection avoid the curse. Yeah, kind right. Of Andrew yeah. Sims for headmaster. That's brilliant. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to envision what the interview process for this position looked like for all these people. Um, because if I were interviewing for this job and I was like, it's usually a question you ask, right? Like, Hey, you know, um, what's turnover? What? Yeah. I mean, what the last person who, who left this position, like what was the reasoning for it? You know, what, um, what can I do to be more successful or to be <laughs> successful at teaching this course? Um, and does he warn them? Like, does he try to give them some kind of warning about the position being cursed? Even if it's just a, <laughs> hey, just so you know, this position, it carries a lot of stress. There's high turnover. <laughs> so I just want you to know that. Do you that. think he asked? Do you a think lot he of... Asked? Oh, go ahead. Asks what? No, I'm like, do you think he asked, like, are you willing to die? 
Are you going to lay your <laughs> you life die on the for line this low for paying this job? Yeah. yeah. Job responsibilities include death. death. <laughs> are you taking care of your mental health? You know? <laughs> Most positions at Hogwarts are not lifetime roles, but very, very like you could retire, you could grow old and retire, or in the case of bins, you're still there. Um, but uh, comparatively, DADA, like he should start listing the job as this is a one year engagement. Like, at, like just get it, get out ahead of it and say, we only want you here for a year. That's smart. And it's I wonder if people would be more willing to take it because I think a lot of people take, you know, seasonal or short term positions to make pay the bills, make some money and then go some do, do something else. So it'd be smart, Eric. It'd be smart. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. So we also find out at the feast that exams are canceled for everyone. Yay. Woohoo, I guess. Once but... again, what happens to the Newton Owl students? Are they just like out of luck? They're SOL. <laughs> yeah. What's funny is <laughs> what's funny is um exams are also canceled in the final chapter of Haplet Prince too. Of course, this is when Dumbledore's funeral is happening and everything. So I think it could be interesting. We should actually keep track of how often exams are getting canceled at Hogwarts. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a big deal, except the OWLs are literally how yeah. you get a job. Yeah. Literally, and was, literally everyone's future. And Half-Blood Prince, Ginny is taking her owls. Luna's taking, Luna's taking her owls. So... Maybe ju they just take them over the summer, I guess. Uh, this just results in it. In, in be an like unqualified... if AP exams were canceled for yeah. Americans. This this just uh, results in an unqualified workforce. Ugh. Just <laughs> unbelievable. Because tests a lot of people don't need college, everything. by the way. <laughs> oh, I know. A lot of college has become less important. So maybe mm -hmm. this is the the start of turning a new leaf in the wizarding world when people mm -hmm. realize it's more about your they experience. They all become entrepreneurs like Fred and George. Yes, there you go. The last note I have here in the doc, I don't know why I put it necessarily. It is a bit of news that I'd like to track, <laughs> but I was not expecting Chloe's response to it. <laughs> so I just put down, yeah, Percy, ha Percy has a girlfriend. And I said, I can't believe anyone would date this twat. <laughs> he does kind of suck. And he sucks so hard, even from the beginning, even I before know. he's like a ministry sheep. <laughs> That's the thing. He gets he only gets worse from here. Mm. And Pe Penelope stays with him the whole time. I know. They get married. I don't think he marries Penelope Clearwater. Doesn't she? He does oh, get married, but it's somebody named Audrey, I think. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, so she doesn't stay. Power to her. But listen, <laughs> the, the, when they're, look, she's a Ravenclaw, uh, and I think maybe prefect. He's a Gryffindor prefect. They met in the prefect's bath or something, you know. Like, who knows? Who <laughs> yeah, knows? they were who used knows? to be in the prefect's bathroom. bath. <laughs> Which is in Hogwarts Legacy, by the way. Yeah, it is. The one bathroom at Hogwarts they met in. Uh, I just went in there the other night in the mission. It was great um, to get to get a demiguise yeah. statue. Yeah. I just literally, I'm sure there's so many fan fictions. Feel free to cut this out because it will be salacious. But what the students get up to in the prefix bath. I can't even imagine. Yeah. The 100%. boarding school vibes and Percy and Penelope. If Jenny had walked in on them in the prefix bath, like woof. 
is what I'll say, I guess. Well, I'm not prepared to say that anyone doesn't deserve love or a girlfriend or a boyfriend. No, no. Yeah, and he's redeemed. We like Percy in the end. Yeah, he redeems himself. Maybe Audrey made him a better person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, you know what? Andrew said something really important there, which is let's believe in people's capacity, not just for change, but to make each other better. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think Penelope was, you know, the one that like fixed him a little bit and then made him ready for Audrey. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fix them. <laughs> I, we are, this is becoming unhinged. Uh, must be a Weasley from the Discord just said the wrong kid died. Oh, wow. I can't. You know what? Oh my God. That's, that's Good unhinged. for you for being brave enough to say what we're all whoa, thinking. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I do not subscribe Fred to that. I over Percy any day of the he week. He is not Eric. your child, okay? You can't pick a child. Pick. You can't do it. We would all pick Fred. <laughs> yeah. Living, you mean? I think yes, so. Yes, to yeah. live, yes. I wouldn't. What? <laughs> no, there's there's already two of him. He's expendable. Is, oh, that's Oh, that's a strong take, Eric. Look, I only strong say and reasonable I, I say take. that for shock value. It's not I wouldn't <laughs> I, I wouldn't this is all condemn. for shock value. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't condemn any one of the Weasley kids to death. Mm, um, no, me neither. No. But uh but yeah, talking about making people better or what you said about <laughs> Penelope clearing the way, like make making Percy dateable or marryable. That really happens in real life. I it like does. to think I like no, like you it's very rare that somebody's first relationship is one that is like a successful right. marriage. And a lot of that is to do with how to be dateable, how to interact with somebody on a romantic level. And it's all a learning experience. So I don't I, what I'm saying is I don't disagree, but I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with the progression of No, no. Yeah. All right. Well, shots have been fired in various directions. <laughs> This is a great way to end our coverage of this book. I can already hear people typing furiously to send us emails about how horrible we are. And the DMs that I will get about if there's any, how if there's any explanation, so unhinged. In ca- just in case anyone was wondering, apparently The Wrong Kid Died was a reference to Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story movie, oh. in case anyone oh. picked up on that. <laughs> Uh, I did not pick up on that. Can't say I did. Can't say I did. Yeah. 200 points to anybody who <laughs> did pick that up. No, 400. 400. No, 600. No scale. Who cares? 600. Do I hear eight? All right, let's move on to MVP of the week. Like I said earlier, I'm giving it to Dumbledore for being a critical, critical father figure to Harry in his time of need in this chapter and slyly putting Lucius, Lucius, however you say it, in his place. Well-deserved. Harry was really down in this chapter. Am I a Gryffindor? Am I a Slytherin? And Dumbledore gave him the speech he really needed to hear, and it was dead on. They're all in McGonagall's office, not Dumbledore's like in the movies, but uh, Dumbledore sends McGonagall out (laughs) to prepare a feast. (laughs) Nevertheless, she goes and does it. Uh, So good on McGonagall for not having any pride uh, there and doing what is needed. The kids need their happiness. They need their food. I'm going to give mine to Dobby. Y'all know that I love Dobby. I love that he gets this moment um, so early in the series. He's the reason that Harry puts... 
everything together and understands the connection between Voldemort, Tom Riddle, and the diary, as well as the connection between all of them and Lucius. Um, And he does it even though it's pretty dangerous for him to be doing. He gets his freedom in this chapter, and he ultimately becomes one of Harry's fiercest allies for the rest of the series. So, got a rep for Dobby. I'm giving mine to the Sword of Gryffindor, which... I've decided is okay to do. Yes, yeah. inanimate objects are totally agree. acceptable. But for representing, you know, Harry being a true Gryffindor and Harry's bravery and strength in the chamber, um, even though in my head he's a Slytherin, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it to the Sword of Godric Gryffindor. Next week, we will do our big Hogwarts Legacy review. We've been playing it for a couple of weeks now, and we'll all be here to discuss what we think of this big new Wizarding World video game. And of course, it's going to be episode 600. So it'll be nice to step off chapter by chapter for a week and talk about this brand new game and celebrate 600 episodes of MuggleCast. If you have any feedback about today's episode or the book on a whole or Prisoner of Azkaban coming up or Hogwarts Legacy, send an L to MuggleCast at gmail.com or use the contact form on MuggleCast.com. You can also send a voice message. Just record it using the voice memo app on your phone and then email us that file. Or you can use our phone number, which is 192033Muggle. That's 1920-368-4453. It's been a few weeks since we've done a Muggle Mail episode, maybe after our Hogwarts Legacy review. We'll see. Nothing set in stone yet, but maybe. And now it's time for Quizzage. Last week's question, thanks to Micah for devising it. What does Fred drop on George's head after he learns that Percy has a girlfriend? The correct answer was a stack of books. And correct answers were submitted by Amandine, Artemis Fido Jr. II, Bang Ended Scoots, Boobatuber Puss, Buff Daddy, Callie Loves Quizzish, Dobby's Slimy Sock, Elizabeth K., Fred's Left Buttock, Giggle Jiggle Giggle Jiggle Miggle, Grubby Grubbly Plank Crookshank, Hogwarts Safety Inspector, Manchester Muggle, Marbled Root Vomit, Momo Lovegood, Ravenclaw from Waxa, and She Who Shall Not Be Named. Congratulations, everybody. Love those names. Next week's question. We're going to look ahead just a little bit towards Prisoner of Azkaban. What witch performed a flame freezing charm, allowing herself to be burned at the stake at least 47 separate times? The correct answer is Chloe's favorite character. True. True. I want to spin off of this answer just so everyone knows. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll tag I'll message you. I just had a thought about that. Uh, so submit your Quizich answer to us over on the MuggleCast website, MuggleCast.com/slash/Quizich, or click on Quizich from the main nav bar. We've only made it to 599 episodes thanks to support from listeners like you. Special shout out to those who support us at patreon.com slash MuggleCast and also over on Apple Podcasts where we have a subscription option as well. On both Apple Podcasts and Patreon, you get ad-free and early access to MuggleCast. And then over on Patreon, you also get bonus MuggleCast installments, our uh, live stream access, exclusive access to our Discord and Facebook groups, uh, the MuggleCast Collectors Club, a new physical gift every year. There's different benefits depending on where what level you pledge at. So check it all out at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. And if you love the show, we would love a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Spotify. And then Chloe, where can people follow us on social media? 
Well, everyone should absolutely follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We post fun memes. Voldemort on a beach apparently is going to be up there. <laughs> there's, there's a better version now. now there, so yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm, I missed that new one. Yeah, there's a safer okay. work version. I know Nagina. Yeah, Nagini wow. has like a little hat. <laughs> Um, oh my god i'm looking at nagini <laughs> but with the hat. everyone please go follow us i answer our dms and our comments and we have a lot of fun on social so if you need more muggle cast during the week when you've already listened to the episode go check us out there i would like this new art to be our album art i like this yeah <laughs> yeah me too you can just see in big bubble letters i need a vacation <laughs> yes, for episode 600, we are changing our album art and it's going to be this one. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings from Albania. Yes, yes. Did you know it's sunny here? I genuinely had no idea. And pretty, very pretty. I think I was thinking like Transylvania in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very vibes. I mean, because if Voldemort's going there, it must be dark and gloomy and not great. But apologies to anybody listening from Albania or nearby. People do. Chloe, it's been great having you on. Thanks so much mm. for joining us again. We look forward to your next appearance. I love y'all. Thanks for having me. We love you too. You're a perfect fit here on the show and as our social media manager. So thank you so much for everything you do for the show. And listeners, if you loved Chloe today, definitely check out MuggleCast, like she said, on TikTok, Even if you Instagram, did love Facebook, me. Twitter. Even if I really <laughs> pissed you off. No, I don't, don't, I don't think us. so. I don't... <laughs> I don't think you is, did. Is hate following such a thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Go hate follow us, please. Yeah. You can hate follow us. Just don't DM hate. No. Yeah. yeah. That's uncool. Yeah, we won't tolerate that. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode. We'll be back next week with episode 600. Woo! I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Laura. And I'm Chloe. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, Bye y'all.